You already know that subscriptions can add predictable recurring revenue to your store. But did you know that Bold Subscriptions has added a ton of new features to make it even more profitable? Their convertible subscription feature first lets customers subscribe to one product and then automatically switch it to a different one the second month. Why? This way you can set up trial sizes, free samples, like uh, all those shaving websites. They've also added a cancellation flow to keep people on the subscription that I think is really cool. It's like abandoned cart recovery, but for subscriptions. So if you've ever tried to cancel your Audible account or anything like it, you'll see what I mean. If you say you don't like it, the books, they'll offer you one for free. If you say it's too expensive, they'll try to give you a deal on the next month. Basically, Bold built this into the subscriptions app, and it stops up to 30% of customers from canceling their subscriptions. And their most recent feature is the subscription buy button that lets you sell your subscriptions directly with a link that's perfect for email, blog posts, Facebook, whatever. Now, one of the things I personally love about it is that customers can manage everything about their subscriptions by themselves. They can log in, pause, skip, edit, update, payment info, their address, swap products, add products, whatever. They can just manage everything themselves. That's a huge time savings for merchants because it means fewer customer support requests. Now, if you want to add predictable recurring revenue to your business, Bold's offering their subscription app to listeners of the Unofficial Shopify podcast free for 60 days. Go to kurtelster.com slash bold to install it. That's kurtelster.com slash bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup, and it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. Today on the Unofficial Shopify Podcast, I am joined by a gentleman who has sold quite a lot of meat. I'm joined by Dustin Reichman, who since January 2019 has been selling beef jerky, a, a better-for-you protein snack company called Fire Creek Snacks, and uh, partnered with a third-generation butcher and has sold a million dollars worth of jerky. That is quite, quite the claim. And then on top of it, from what I understand... This is a part-time gig for him on top of it. I can't believe it. Uh, Dustin, how, what what's going on? How did you get here? <laughs> uh, thanks, Kurt, for having me. Uh, my story is actually mostly in engineering. So my whole career, about 18 years, I was a civil engineer, master's in civil engineering, did a lot of consulting work, taught at a university. Um, but got the marketing bug when I was building a side business with my wife uh, called engagedmarriage.com. And so kind of cut my teeth doing digital marketing. I really started taking that serious about 2015 and it became a substantial side business for us. And uh, yeah, so basically a long story short, the end of 2017, I walked away from my engineering management position and jumped into the world of self-employment. And in, that, in the course of that in 2018, as I was getting my feet under me and 
growing engaged marriage, but also doing some other work. I was doing a lot of marketing, consulting and business coaching and things like that. And a lot of that centered on local businesses. It was just all referral based. Like my dentist was a client. My realtor was a client. Um, and I walked into a local meat shop and really, and, you know, it was, it was just outside of our local area. And I found a product in there that ultimately ended up becoming Fire Creek Snacks. So I can definitely dive into that, that story and how that connection happened. But my initial relationship with Ryan Hansen, who's my business partner now with Fire Creek, was actually me doing marketing for his local brick and mortar butcher shops. So you're a, an engineer for close to two decades, right? Yep. And then you discovered, I'm kind of good at marketing. And from there, and we're committed to it. And from there said, look, I, I want to help grow businesses, whether that was um, the business w uh, with your wife, engaged marriage, or um, some of these local businesses. Was it terrifying to walk away from an established career like that? It was quite terrifying. And a lot of people, you know, they think it's completely an you know, it's a completely opposite thing. Like, how would you go from an engineer to a self-employed marketing guy? And, I want to know that too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think the thing to, to realize is that they aren't that much different. I mean, engineering is really just a way of thinking. It's, it's a problem solving mindset. So when you encounter something, you put on your kind of engineering education and background and, and you, you step by step your way through problems. And I, that's how I approach marketing as well. So, you know, we have a certain goal to hit. It's just backing that out and engineering a marketing solution to get there. So I, and, and also in my engineering career, you know, as you kind of ascend up, I had 15 people working for me. My primary day-to-day -day role was sales. You know, I was selling engineering and consulting. So a different type of sales than selling meat snacks online, but still sales. And uh, so I, I kind of see it all from the way I sit and see, see the world. It's not that much different. Now, the change from full-time engineering with benefits and a stay-at-home wife with three kids to, hey, I don't know exactly how I'm going to make money in February of 2018, um, that took a big leap. But we prepared heavily for it. Um, we, you know, for like six months, basically, in the end of 2017, I worked full time, 50 hour weeks at engineering. I was basically doing full time consulting for marketing clients and kind of building up a war chest so that I knew you gave yourself a runway. Right, exactly that. And, and I really had this mindset shift in around the middle of 2017 when I started more seriously thinking I could actually make this leap and that that mindset really was that most decisions, almost no decisions in your life are permanent. And so I kind of came to me one day that, you know, I could go do this for three months. And if I suck at it, I can just go get another engineering job because I'm not burning bridges. I could probably go back to the same company, but if not other companies, you know, knew about me and I, I could, I could probably get another gig. Um, so I, once I realized it wasn't permanent and once I convinced my wife <laughs> that it didn't have to be permanent, um, cause she's much more risk averse than I am. And we had this this runway built up, you know, and, and actually the way things went down, I went and talked to my my supervisor there, the branch manager, and explained what I was wanting to do. And I said, I'm in no big hurry. I can stick around for a month or two and help find my replacement. And so I actually, for about six months, I kept working there full time and, and left on extremely good terms. So, you know, I still refer engineering work to them when it comes up. They're very supportive of, of me and what I do. So I feel like it really turned out you know, excellent. Although it was definitely scary, scary as hell, I think going into it and trying to make that, that call to actually tell them I'm, I'm going to step down from an engineering position, which was kind of my whole identity. Well, and that's the other part of it too, is like your, your ego gets wrapped up in what you do, especially yeah. if you're good at it or proud of it, or you've just been doing it a really long time. And so, you know, quitting a job like that to change careers entirely, but also 
it just change everything about how you survive. Well, that I mean, you are you're rethinking who you are as a person, and I think that's what's so um, so hard about it. But also, you know, why why you should be proud of what you did. And of course, at the same time, it's easy to go like, well, you know, it, everything worked out great, so I do it again. Yeah, survivorship bias, right? Exactly. Yeah, I could have fallen on my face and said I would never recommend that for anyone. You know, I lost my family or whatever, but it, it turned out to be the exact opposite. We're all we're all super happy with the way it turned out. And, you know, we've had all the COVID and kids at home. It, it's been an extreme blessing to be able to work from home, have a lot of flexibility. Um, so looking back, it's like, wow, what if I wouldn't have done that? It would have it really would have changed how our family dynamic works. Yeah. I mean, none of us could have known what was coming with the pandemic or, right. or how it was going to affect us. Um, and I think that's what's so hard about the pandemic is that people got affected so unequally and it is um it was such a matter of of circumstance such a it was a 2020 was a tough year i don't think i'm surprising anyone with that hot take <laughs> yeah 100%. all right so you had um so you, you quit your job your your wife's working on a thing you're a marketing consultant and you walk into a butcher and somehow this becomes a leads to a a partnership in a, a million dollar business what what how is that possible? Yeah, so yeah, it's real simple. You know. <laughs> uh, now, I, actually, he had opened a third location. There's the ironic part is that this location ended up failing, which you could kind of put on my shoulders as a marketing guy, but it, it, all, <laughs> it, it, all, worked, it all worked out for the best. So he opened a location in our town, and I was I, I like to smoke meat and grill and things. So I was like, oh, well, let's go check it out. And it turned out that his partner in this location went to high school with my wife and I and was in my wife's graduating class and they're pretty good friends. So as we walk in, that guy is there. His name's Andrew and say, like, Hey, you know, welcome to the store. They'd only been open a couple weeks and realized he was a partner. And, you know, he said, we're trying to get this thing off the ground. I was like, well, you know, I'd love to talk to you guys. You know, I work with a lot of local businesses. And so we had lunch, uh, Andrew, Ryan and I, and then, uh, <clears throat> yeah. And then this was his third location. So I've kind of started working on all three, just doing some local Facebook ads, helping them come up with some better strategies on how to like bundle products and things like that. And just doing some strategy work. And uh, he had this jerky at the time, this Fire Creek jerky in there. And I walked away that day with a bag of it because I'm a fan of, of those kind of products. And I had no idea it was associated with the store. I thought it was just a brand of jerky I hadn't heard of. So I got it and I ate it. I was like, man, this is amazing. This is like super tender. This is different. And so I flipped over the bag and saw it was made in Jerseyville, Illinois, which happens to be where I grew up and, and lived there, you know, for the first 10 years of my life. And it's like a tiny farm town, 7,500 people. I was like, what in the world? Because the town I live in now is about 30,000 people. It's not not large, but it's a decent university town. I was like, how is this made in Jerseyville? And then I realized that Hanson Meat Company, the name on the placard was based in Jerseyville. And it's like, oh, wow, this is all Connected. It's all coming together. Yeah. So as I, I got to know Ryan over the course of a couple months and helping him with the local stores, I asked him more about, hey, what are you doing with this Fire Creek brand? He's like, actually, it's interesting timing. I had some partnerships, um, some investors. We've been trying to get this jerky brand off the ground. It just We're not getting a lot of traction. I really want to pivot into a snack stick form instead of like the whole muscle, ex really expensive jerky that he was trying. They didn't have an interest in that. So they're kind of in the middle of this transition. And, and so we, eventually that fall of 2018, that dissolved. Um, I said, Hey, you know, you, I love these snack sticks because he had been producing those as well. He wanted to drop the jerky. It was really hard to be consistent with the way he was trying to do an all natural sugar-free, no artificial preservatives and make it work. But the snack sticks, it worked. So he was able to kind of take the same recipes and the great flavors, 
put them into a snack stick and it was like nothing I'd ever had. And I was like, this is a winner. This is amazing. I give it to my daughters. They're, they're uh, gluten intolerant. And so all of the products we have are uh, no artificial ingredients. They're gluten-free, no MSG, no dairy, no, you know, so, no soy, a lot of the stuff that prevents many people, especially children from enjoying like a protein snack, because almost anything you find in the, the corner gas station is not going to be able to make those health claims. Right. But they also tasted awesome and they're made with real hickory smoke. So there's just a lot of things different about them. And so as I researched the market, I, I've kind of found there's the spectrum of like uber healthy, whole 30, uh, all grass fed beef. And then there's like the traditional Slim Jim stuff that's not, you know, not having any health claims. And so we we're trying to find this marriage of the best of both worlds. And I feel like we have. So anyhow, that was kind of tail end of that, that uh, 2018. I was still working with the brick and mortar butcher shops. And I, I basically gave Ryan a, a total win situation. I said, I would love to help you with these snack sticks. I think we could rebrand it from Fire Creek Jerky to Fire Creek Snacks. I can build a website. We'll get on Shopify. And so I did all that for free. And so I've said, you know, if we do start making some online sales, then maybe I'll take a small percentage of that. But basically, I want to see for you, especially, and less so for me, if this will work. And if it does, then we can talk about how to structure things moving forward. So that was kind of the first step was just bringing it online, getting some initial sales and, and kind of so you're, seeing how things worked. You're in the right place at the right time. Yes. And you recognized an opportunity. And then you phrased it as a as an opportunity for um what's your 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 partner's name in the first Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. And you you phrased it to him as, hey, I've got this idea. I need your help to do it, but to prove that it's a good idea, you literally don't have to do anything. Yes. Just allow me <laughs> to build a website for you and, and see what see how we can get some sales. Um and you know, and at the I kind of it's very analogous analogous to like a marriage, right? So we were just we started off dating, right? It was like, and I was serving and giving and being nice and just trying to show that you could trust me here. I have some things to offer potentially, and I think you do too, and I think we could be a good partnership. But we were not even talking about like a business partnership. It was just let's try this. You know, it's something to do for him on the side, and um, he was very proud of the product, but he's brick and mortar, you know, his whole life does some wholesale stuff, but just had never tried to sell online. And that was my whole world was I love selling online or at least promoting online to drive local business. And so, yeah, just it, right place, right time, right personalities were similar age, similar family values. Um, it just, it just felt like something that some synergy was starting to build. The, I like that your, your approach to a, a business partnership um, similar to a romantic relationship because there really are a lot of parallels. Like communication is a cornerstone of success. Yes. And you can't just open with like, Hey, I'm some guy and I like your jerky. I want to build a website and sell your jerky. Like it wouldn't work. You, it was a months long process leading up to that. And I get these like crazy pitch emails all the time <laughs> where people are like, Hey, I like your show. And all right. So here's the NDA. And you just, I'm like, I don't, I've never even heard of you. You delete. <laughs> it doesn't NDA. work. <laughs> right there, there needs to be a, a a dating process and like active relationship building. So briefly, what are some of those your your tips for developing those successful win win partnerships? You know, when it's with someone new that you don't necessarily have that that strong relationship with yet. Yeah, my, number one, just like you said, is communication. Um, it's being very open, transparent about what I can, what I think I can offer, where I see I could provide value here. Um, I think as much as possible, I mean, some people aren't in a position where they could just do work for free, but you know, maybe at a low cost or for a percentage of, of additional profits, something like that to where 
you're providing uh, really no risk to, to the other person um, if it works out well. And I think kind of taking it slow, um, you know, we didn't have anything in writing until the next year when I actually became a partner in the business. And at that point, I, I feel like, you know, having things in writing is really important. But in these early stages, it was, you know, can I trust you? Can you trust me? You know, let me have a little more responsibility. Hey, can you go do this for me? And kind of feeling out that, that we could really work together as a team. I like all of that advice. Uh, moving forward. So then he obviously Ryan says yes. And then you build the Shopify store with these snacks. Yep. Had you built an online store before at that point? I had never done anything on Shopify <laughs> in my life. I'd never really done e-commerce. Engagement. Did Ryan was, know this? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, <laughs> he knew that uh, I could market I online and and oh, drive geez, business Rick. brick and mortar. And he knew that engaged marriage had been successful and it's all online, but it's all digital, basically information products. So this is the first time selling a physical product other than a book online. Um, it's the first time I'd ever tried Shopify, but uh, it's worked out pretty well. <laughs> so you, you built the site um, and it, right now the site looks really good. It, it's clean, it works, it's got uh, lovely branding. Um, is that the way the site looks now, did it? How how different was it uh, in twenty nineteen? It's very very similar. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. You, if you had never built an ecom store, this looks great. Yeah, the structure has always been about the same. The things I've I've added testimonials as we've collected those over time. I've uh, you know we're on our that what you can see on the website right now is our second generation packaging. So we had an update there from the first generation. We've now got a third generation. It's just not we don't have we haven't had the professional photos taken. We're getting our first run of that in about a month. So. We'll, we'll continue to update. We're adding another flavor. So there'll be updates, but the basic structure and the calls to action and have really been consistent. And what you see there is the direct result of what we can talk about 2019, going to a dozen trade shows, putting tons of snacks in people's mouths and letting them react to it and tell us what they think. And we just kind of encapsulated that in some very simple bullet point languages that we hope can convey why this is different you know, from the moment you hit the site. I, I really like the copywriting on the site. I like sites that are, aren't afraid of including some, some darn copywriting on the homepage and trying to sell me on it, on why I should care. And you have done that. And I, I think it works. I think it works pretty well. Uh, and you, you've got a quote. I love this. Like, it's always fun to see, quote, you, it's always fun to see the reaction when someone tries a Fire Creek snack stick for the first time. They're usually surprised by the texture since it's different than the big brands they may have tried. Uh, when they find out it's healthy too, that's when they say it's the best snack they've ever had. Ryan Hansen, third generation meat man and creator of Fire Creek Snacks. So it's like starting to tell that story. Um, it's it's very clever. It's good quality, good quality copywriting. Well, so, you. but having a putting up a Shopify store, having a good product, and having great copywriting by itself is not enough. Right. If you build it, eh, no one will come. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you have to go out and really sell the thing and drive people to the site and make them aware of it. Because if no one's heard of Fire Creek Snacks, then no one is going to hear of Fire Creek Snacks until you breathe life into that brand. So you've built the store. It looks great. You've got this great product. You've got this You've got this partnership. But then th that's still not enough. Like we've only, we've not even done half the work to sell this thing yet. What happens next? How do you... How do you start selling this thing and get to seven figures yeah. in sales? So the very first thing we did, fortunately, as I started working with Ryan with his brick and mortar shops, we came up with a loyalty program, a VIP club, those sort of things. And we, so we were driving people to an email list for his local business. 
And so we had those initial emails. So those were our first customers was, hey, you may have seen these in the store, but you can buy them at you know, great pricing here, free shipping, and uh, you know get people to try them locally. So all of our original customers were local, and we could see that they were referring friends and family from other places, and, and it started to grow a little bit organically. And so the e-com side of it kind of just sat there and did that. Um, we did you know some partnerships with like letting people review it and they'd send an email and, and we got some sales, but the direct consumer piece in 2019 was not a huge part of the business. We inadvertently, it wasn't my interest at all because I'm like, just wanted to do the e-com side, but Ryan pulled me in pretty quick. And uh, in 2019, we ended up going to a dozen trade shows and it was all selling wholesale. Um, and so the first one of those would be a good example was the PGA merchandise show down in Orlando, Florida. So it's like golf, right? And so we had a little booth there. We, we did all kinds of crazy stuff. We hired like models to drive people down our aisle. Like we'd never been to a trade show in our life. We shipped like 10,000 samples down there and we're just throwing samples out. I had a square reader and I'm taking these PGA pros, you know, credit cards and we're taking orders. We just kind of went in baptism by fire. And what was so awesome about that is we got so much firsthand feedback about what people reacted to all the hesitant people that would walk by. There might be a middle, you know, one of the, a middle-aged woman with kids and she's like, I don't eat that stuff. And it's like, please just try this teriyaki. I guarantee you, unless you're like a vegan or vegetarian, you will like this. And if you don't like it, you know, you can punch Ryan. And we kind of got this shtick going and, and just got a lot of excitement, you know, for four days down there for this brand. And we sold into almost 180 golf courses. And so wow. we're like, wow, we're onto something, you know, this is good. And then we started noticing more web orders because people might've sampled and maybe they didn't want to buy, maybe they weren't even with the golf course, they were another vendor, but just getting all this feedback. And so, yeah, so we did, did a bunch of those. We went to a bunch of like independent hardware store shows like Ace Hardware, True Value, where the owners might only own one to five stores, but they can make their own decisions. And so that was really the growth in 2019 was going to these oddball trade shows that had nothing to do with snacks or jerky or food even. Yeah. But where like everybody, it, it, just about any location, whether that is a, a country club golf course or uh, Ace Hardware can put quality beef jerky on an end cap. Yeah. Yeah. And so put almost, them like at a point of sale. Yeah. Almost all of these shows have a, a large impulse aisle is what they call it. So it's the, candy, the snacks, peanuts, you know, whatever. And actually Ace, like the Ace Hardware and True Value, especially have really become in a lot of smaller towns, like the general store again. And so they, they actually specialize in a lot of really kind of gourmet high-end craft snacks and people go in there just to buy them. I, some I've kind of learned in this process that that's kind of one of the ways they've positioned themselves to be different than, you know, Walgreens or who, whoever else might be in a small town. It's like, Hey, go to Ace. Cause they've got some really cool, unique, snacks that you really can't get most other places i guess i haven't been in an ace hardware in a while yeah they're different <laughs> used to go all the time I remember, I remember like yeah 20 years ago you couldn't get me out of an ace hardware now <laughs> i don't know the last time i was in one well when you oh, go well. in you'll find that most of them have a huge uh, snack selection up towards the front counter i will have to check it out hey i got a question how can you increase your shopify sales by 10 to 15 percent you could try standing on the corner with a megaphone. Hey, you in the denim jacket. What's your credit card number? I got some stuff you could buy. Or you could just use Zipify one-click upsell. Created by the owner of a $100 million e-commerce store and trusted by over 8,100 Shopify merchants, 
One-click upsell helps you boost your average order value with targeted upsells and cross-sells. You can make pre-purchase upsells from the shopping cart, or you can make post-purchase upsells immediately after a customer completes their order. And with mobile-optimized offer pages that drive sky-high conversions and built-in split testing for maximizing your results, it's no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $139 million in sales. It only takes a few minutes to install the app, Launch your first upsell and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue overnight. To start your free 30-day trial, go to zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash Kurt. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at zipify.com and ask them for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. Okay, back to the show. What were we discussing? So... The thing I'm not, I'm not hearing about all these traditional digital marketing efforts. It was step one, build a Shopify store. Step two, go to trade shows and sell wholesale. But it worked so well, you got national, started to build national recognition. And so the people who tried it were then Googling it and buying direct from you in their like repeat purchases. That's part of it. Um, we were doing some other marketing. We did some, you know, we've, we've always done baseline kind of Facebook ads. And so when I say baseline, we may have one prospecting audience. We're not spending a lot on it. We've always got retargeting running. So we're picking up, you know, th those kind of sales. Um, one thing we did really well in 2019 was we uh, hired a, you know, we basically become the live spot on a, the drive, drive, drive time, you know, afternoon radio show in St. Louis. So we kind of had two, two mantras. One was to, sample to th as many people as we could possibly sample to. And the trade shows were a great venue for that. Um, we ultimately got into our local Walmart stores and were able to sample in there too. And I can talk about that. It's a totally different story. But we really wanted to also, the other mantra was own St. Louis. So we're in the St. Louis metro area in Southern Illinois. And we knew that there, we were starting to develop a reputation locally. And people in St. Louis are very proud to buy from people in St. Louis. Uh, we got in all the local, one family owns all the local Ace stores, and they were promoting us as a you know kind of St. Louis proud brand. And so we were selling all over the country and all over the world. We were in international golf courses and things like that from the PGA show. But we really tried to focus locally as much as possible at first. And, and radio became an excellent channel for that. It wasn't something that we necessarily thought would work, but we wanted to, we gave it a shot. They gave us a good deal and it worked really well. Um, so yeah, we're doing that. We're doing some ads. Um, really 2020 is when the partnerships come in, which is really where I think we threw fuel on the fire from a direct to consumer standpoint. So we've got, we're going to trade shows. We're getting in physical locations. You start using local radio ads, which I think is really clever. Um, Cause I, radio ads just keep getting cheaper and but they're hyper targeted locally this is very clever all right so then from there the next phase that really starts to scale things is um or what you've been referring to is, is partnerships uh tell me about that yeah so partnerships has really been the focus in 2020 um, that can take on a lot of different forms, but it's basically borrowing other people's audiences and providing value. To, so that's a win-win again for that's kind of, again one of one of our uh, our mantras. It's always lead with a win, and then a lot of times that'll reciprocate back with a win. So um, early on, partnerships for us looked like subscription boxes primarily. So I started researching uh, healthy snacks, subscription boxes, you know, keto diet boxes, things like that. And there were a lot of them. And there were some really small ones that would just pay us our full kind of wholesale pricing. There's some larger ones that want donations, but they can offer some marketing in exchange. You can negotiate. Um, so we got in a bunch of those in 2020. Um, we were featured twice in Snack Nation. 
And so Snack Nation is the largest, I think probably the largest subscription box period, but it's more of a corporate model where like Facebook would buy uh, snacks for a whole division and they would typically go to their office. Of course, 2020 people were working from home. So they, they started making these work from home versions, but we would get Fire Creek featured in this box. And then that would get sent to these, you know, higher, higher end, higher salaried professionals. And we'd see sales from that. Um, and it also gave us a lot of, uh, I guess, brand notoriety. It was not easy to get into that box. That was kind of a guerrilla marketing thing because almost everything they feature is a very well-known national brand. It was more finding the meat snacks buyer, connecting on LinkedIn, having some conversations, just convincing him to just try it. And once he tried it, product kind of sold itself. And he said our teriyaki flavor was He's been doing this his whole career, basically sampling protein snacks. He says, this is one of the best snack sticks I've ever had hands down. So he kind of pushed to get us in the box. And uh, yeah, we actually recorded a podcast called Brand Builder, which is their their podcast. It's the biggest consumer package good podcast. So Ryan and I were able to record that together recently. It hasn't aired yet. Um, but again, that, that's just an extension of that partnership as, as an example of what can kind of come out of leading with value and, and trying to build a relationship with someone that I knew would really appreciate the product if if he would just give us a shot. And he fortunately did. So really, one of the, the core tenets here is the product has to be amazing. You have had this, this tremendous um, atypical marketing efforts that have worked really well, like a lot of grassroots stuff and guerrilla stuff um, and, and stuff people would not have thought of. And but like it wouldn't have worked if you had a junk product, right? right? It wouldn't have worked if you had like something generic or some, you know, private label, whatever. Like it would, that wouldn't have worked. Um, something print on demand. Like you had, it started with, you found this, this jerky product that you're like, this is really good. More people need to eat this. Like yes. you believed in it. That was step one. Yes. Okay. And step two, I think was really understanding how people reacted to it because it, originally when I saw it, I'm like, yeah, every, you know, middle-aged contractor in, a, you know, in the Midwest would like this because he likes Slim Jims. But it turns out <laughs> most, most of our customers are moms. A lot of them are feeding them to their kids. My daughters, they take them every day in their lunchbox and I can feel good about it because I know it's, it's, it's a good hearty, healthy snack, but there's no, no allergens or any artificial ingredients. So, and, and it was only through toe-to-toe. -to -toe I mean, I've, we've, I've probably literally handed samples to, I don't know, 5,000, probably more than that, 10,000 people in 2019 and had conversations about it, like on the spot, what's your initial reaction? And then, of course, got them into sales. And then we get to talk to the owners. To see what are their customers thinking? What are, are they asking questions about? How can we improve our packaging? And you know, what, what are some claims people care about? Like, I didn't know what a nitrate was. And we started hearing over and over from people that does this have nitrates? Does this have nitrites? And like, no, it doesn't. And so in our, in our latest floor display, it's one of the top, you know, things we're, we're putting on there as a claim because it's actually important to a lot of people that I didn't, I didn't even know what it was at first because I wasn't a food guy. Um, so yeah, that, having that understanding, but yeah, you're right. I, I completely acknowledge that I might be okay at marketing, but our unfair advantage is the product. And but it's really hard to get people to try a food product for the first time. And it's really, really hard to do it when there are no trade shows and it's COVID times and people don't, you know, they're not going to sample food in open air market, no matter what's going on. So I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, the 2020 pivot, but it was well, so way it, different than yeah. 2019. 2019 is, is handing out samples face to face. Yes. And I've heard other, uh, other entrepreneurs where they went to where their audience was and you know, whether that was like we set up a table, you know, at uh, at a 5K, it's it's always like we set up yeah. a table or booth somewhere, right. and then we talked to people. 
that's the magic. Like nobody wants to talk to anybody. No yeah. one wants to engage with anybody. But you have to. Yeah, I'm a super introvert, and it's exhausting to try to coax people over to try your product. And for twelve, you're standing for twelve hours on a concrete floor. I mean, I I hate 2019, but also love 2019 because it taught us so much. It really helped us dial in our messaging. Yeah, you put in the work. Yeah. Um, and then 2020 rolls around, and no more trade shows. Right. No more conferences. No more really like really not a lot of in person and certainly no just like handing out samples of jerky on a plate at the mall. Not going to happen. Yeah, that's crazy. So now what do you do? Because you've got this this potential rocket ship and you go, uh oh, you know, what March 2020. What are you doing? Yeah. So luckily going into 2020 in general, we realized, you know, we're like 80 percent wholesale uh, as far as our revenue goes. The margins aren't great. We knew we wanted to be 50-50 or more on direct to consumer. So we were already thinking we need to, we're going to refocus. We, we're going to go to a few key trade shows. We went to one right before the shutdown. I was driving to one in Indiana when it got canceled on the drive there in March. Um, so we had a we had a few we were going to do, but we were not focused on that. Um, so really it's been this partnership thing. So the subscription boxes were all through the spring and summer. We did a bunch of those, saw some good success from that. Um, we did quite a few email promotions with people and I call shoulder industries or industries that have similar audience, but we're not a direct competitor. So an example would be like someone who uh, does, he writes about barbecue, about how to be a great barbecue griller and smoking meats. So there's a portion of his audience that would love our real hickory smoked snacks. So we just sent him some, he did a review, um, did an initial email. We got some good sales. So we followed up and paid him some money to do another email blast. We got, you know, a good return on that. So we've done numerous of those kind of relationships. Um, but my number one thing, and my, really my goal at fourth quarter in 2020 and now going into 2021 is to form a partnership every week or at least pitch a partnership every week. And so far for me, the by far and away, the, the best types of partnerships have actually been podcasts, like the one we're doing here, um, because there's a lot of cool residual benefits that I didn't even expect when I got on my first one. I'm happy to talk Tell about that. Tell me about it. What yeah. is, what's the big benefit of, of being on a podcast? So number one is the direct sales. So, you know, and most of the podcasts I've been on have actually been business e-commerce types of podcasts, just kind of telling the the business story. So the audience isn't even like keto dieters or gluten-free moms. I mean, th that's to come. I'm going to do a lot more of that in 2021 because we have true stories to tell around those aspects of the brand. But it's really just in any population, a large population of an audience that gets to hear you for half an hour, an hour, and gets to know, like, trust. They might resonate with your story. Um, there's some portion of them like that sounds like a good snack. I'm going to try it. You know, we usually provide a coupon code or whatever to get, give people a, a chance to try it. So just the direct sales by itself would be worth it. And we have a great customer lifetime value because of recurring sales. So for like a mid-sized podcast, just to get some details, I mean, we might sell three or four thousand dollars in direct sales the week it airs, but those customers are worth about ten thousand dollars total because they're going to typically, on average, repeat you know three three and a half sales. Um, as an average. And so that's really good revenue for being on a podcast. I love getting on podcasts, be able to tell our story. I'm very passionate about the brand. Ryan sometimes joins me and we're able to really talk about what he was thinking, what I was thinking. And I think people really can relate to the entrepreneurial journey. So there's the direct sales. Um, number two would be just the relationship with the host. I mean, I get to know, now I know Kurt a little bit, right? And Kurt might think of someone else next time that something comes up with consumer packaged goods. And I've had already had referrals from other podcast hosts. Hey, we had this guest on, you guys should talk because there's some definite synergies between your brands. Um, yeah, once you get your foot in the door with that network, it kind of snowballs. Yeah. And I did my first podcast 
geez, probably in 2013. Wow. Yeah. And they said, uh, yeah, they said you were pretty good. Uh, and then I got a referral to somebody else. And that person said, you know, you're pretty good. Referral to somebody else. And that person said, hey, you should start your own podcast. And then like a year later, I did it. But yeah, there's uh, a lot of a lot of uh, introductions that occur as a result yes. of podcasts. And so there's the relationship with the host, and that's good. But but I'd say 10x all of that combined has just been relationships with listeners. It's been amazing. Like at, I'll I'll do it here whenever we're finishing up. But I give people my email address. I'm very transparent. I love having conversations with people that are. Uh, hopefully, I can provide some value to, or or you know, however that works out. But I've probably had a dozen probably 20 zoom calls with different people that are just really ambitious, high quality business minded people. And so some of them, like one was this, I say kid, the senior in college who goes to the same university I went to, he's studying the exact same program. He's very entrepreneurial. He's looking at real estate investing. And so he kind of became a marketing intern for me. And so he's helped me do some mm. research and things. And it's just like, how cool is that? You know, this kid's me 20 years ago. And now he's, I can hopefully be a little bit of a mentor to him. He's learning. I'm, I'm sharing him, sharing with him what we're doing. Um, but also, you know, very, what, what hopefully will be a really large direct benefit. Um, we had a, a guy listening to one of the podcasts that was a finance guy, a young guy in, in Bentonville at Walmart. And he's like, you know, I don't know anyone but I have a Walmart email address. So I'm going to find the buyer for your category. And we had been selling locally in Walmart as like a local vendor, but we have no, um, no distribution through the corporate side of things. We can just sell directly to store managers and we have to service our own product. It's okay, but it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a tough struggle. And we've tried for a year just to get a phone call, you know, and it's really difficult. Yeah. They're famously tough. <laughs> so he sends an email internally, didn't get a response. Then he writes me back three weeks later to his credit and says, you know what? I had heard that there were some people moving around. I checked. There's a new person in that position. I'm going to email him. I, we got an email back in 15 minutes from this guy saying, I'm in the middle of category review for protein snacks. Let's have a Zoom call tomorrow. We got on there. I was able to kind of give a, a sales presentation about what we're about and our success that we've had locally with our Walmart efforts. And that's that decision is still ongoing. So I don't know what's going to come of it. But but you got your foot in the door. Yeah, we got Walmart. to send him samples. Like that alone is the win. He's reviewed our packaging. He's given us great insight into what, what he would want to see if, if he does pick us up for any kind of distribution. And that was some guy who thought my story was cool and just you know reached out. There was a, a Navy guy that down in Florida who reached out, and he has he's making his own consumer package good. So he knew one of the buyers. It's called DECA. That's like basically the massive government organization that buys food items for the military for all the bases. And so I've got an email introduction to the category buyer there. You know, I, I don't know if that will result in anything because they don't review till the fall of 2021, but I've got his email address. We've communicated numerous times. That was totally based on an introduction that's, that someone you know made to me and I, and they can go on and on. It's, it's amazing. That's amazing. I think it's, there's something about people that really like podcasts and we're like-minded. We like to learn. We appreciate when people lead with value. And if, if there's something that, you know, I can help, them with I, I welcome them to email me and likewise you know obviously if they have a connection that some national retailer or if they're an actual buyer there because you know those, those people live in the real world and like to listen to podcasts too that's the intangible i, I call it the halo effect and, and the other thing about podcasts as you can appreciate kurt is they're evergreen so i mean a lot of people will listen in the first week but we still have people you know months later contacting us that have just listened for the first time so that's pretty awesome. right yeah, it's always funny. Like, you, yeah, ninety-eight percent of your downloads happen in the first six weeks, um, and you know, ninety percent happen in the first uh, probably five days. 
Um, but then you know, like there'll be months or even years old episodes that somebody will be like, "Hey, I just listened to this episode." Like, really? <laughs> How did you even find it? <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I don't even remember doing. Like, I have to go look it up. I'm like, I recorded with them. Uh, are you sure? I found my way into those rabbit holes a few times where it's like a particular guest that I like, and I'm like, I wonder if they've been on any other shows, and they kind of tell a different aspect of their story. So sometimes people actually look for guests. Um, it's probably a complete failure in my case because no one ever spells my name the same way. So uh, <laughs> I copied and pasted it. To be <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Didn't want to screw it up. <laughs> um, I believe uh, in this concept called a luck sale. And I heard about it in a TED talk. And it's you can't necessarily create opportunities, but you can create scenarios where you get more opportunities. And it sounds like doing a series of, of podcast guest appearances is a way to build uh, a luck sale in a very practical way. Both in, you know, it was my experience um, and it, it sounds like it's also been your experience. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yes. hundred percent. It's I'm, I'm passionate about it. I've um, you know, and I'm, I, I try to, I guess a tip for someone listening, if they're like, how would I ever get on a podcast? Don't just like cold email people that you don't know anything about, like take time to get to know them build a relationship, add value. And Your pitch was so good. I'll <laughs> tell you, I get a lot of crappy pitches and I delete them now. I do too. Because uh, it's daily. And your pitch immediately stood out. So what? teach me. Teach me how to write a decent pitch email. Yeah, so it starts before writing. One is every every podcast I've pitched. So just to let you know, I've, I've sent eight cold emails. I've got eight yeses. Now they aren't all recorded yet and they're only like three have aired, but because this is all fairly recent. But the key is for one to really know and like and respect the person you're writing, get to know about them, get to know about their business. Um, and so in your case, you know, I've, I've been active in the Facebook group for a long time. Um, I try to provide value there. I've reviewed things that you've written and other people have written there. And, and so just trying to be active and a member of the community first and foremost. In some cases, that's, I haven't done that because there aren't communities with some podcasts. But typically I'll make sure I, I'm with yours. I probably listen to almost every episode, but some other ones I intentionally just went and listened to three or four episodes to really understand what kind of guests they like to have on, what's their conversation style. And, and then I try to find a few episodes that really stand out to me, like legit stand out to me. And I kind of just relay that back. Hey, you know, I've really enjoyed your podcast. These two episodes, here's, here's the value you provided me. Um, in your case, you had a book, you know, that you contributed to. So I was able to take a picture because I had bought that book and reviewed it and I had Fire Creek Snacks sitting next to it. So I'm sure that helped catch your eye. So these are all anchor points, you know, but they're not, what I don't want people to hear is that they're just artificial. Like, oh, I found it's out he a has a dog. So I'm like, hey, Kurt, I have a dog too. It's Those are, yeah, I can see through those a mile yeah. away. Like I knew you lived in Illinois. And so I live in Illinois. That's a connection, but, and I included that, but that's not like a hang your hat thing. That's, it's more like, hey, I, I linked to like a, that someone had an interest in wholesale questions about Shopify that same day. And I had provided a really detailed response. And I said, I can talk about wholesale if you want, because people are interested. Here's a link to, you know, what someone asked about in a group today. So it's just being very cognizant, I guess, of what, what, what you value, what the host values. And so, but not long. So it's, it's a little longer email, but it's basically anchoring two to three times if you can, meaning common points that, that, shows that I'm not just some weirdo on the internet that's spamming you. Like I've, I have at least listened to your show and I understand what you're about and then transition to what can I provide, what value can I provide your audience? So in our case, you know, I provided some bullet points. I can tell the story of how to do good partnerships. I can talk about uh, you know, business partnerships like Ryan and I, but also how to 
do partnerships in the sense that getting on podcasts or subscription boxes, um, I talked about our wholesale journey. So some things that I know are, are a little unique and then a strong call to action. Are you interested? You know, and then sign off. Yeah. It's, it's that well, that, yes. And it was a perfect pitch email. The, and one of the, so like critical, critical part one is, Hey, I'm, it, is it showing relevance? Like I actually proving that you, you put in the effort and knew who I was and what I was about. Right. And so immediately I'm like, all right, they put in the effort. They, they have now earned my attention. I'm going to read this email. And then you, you said, Hey, here's a series of topics. Well, I don't see a series of topics. I see a choice of yeses. It's like, which one of these am I going to say yes to? Right. And that's the the big advantage to pitching like, hey, here's three ideas we could discuss. Yeah. All right. If you just gave me like, hey, can I be a guest on your podcast? No. Can <laughs> I teach your audience A, B, or C? All right. A, no. B, no. C, yes. Aha. So it, it works very well. And in your case, when you had laid out those things, I was like, all right, well, that's that's the journey. And that's then the episode. It's like the, he wrote the show notes for me. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. So it makes life very easy. Um. All right. Now, before we get into the the lightning round of questions, I want to know how you drive repeat purchases. And I know the core answer is, well, the beef jerky is really good. But you've you know, in those first two years, you've got to drive awareness and get new customers. And you have given us so many great ideas on how to do that. But once I have those customers, how do I keep them coming back? How do I drive up that customer lifetime value? Yeah. So, um, you know, we do a lot of email marketing, a lot of email follow-up. I'd say, you know, we do sales, but outside of those promotions, 90% of our email content is user generated. So we use uh, looks L O O X app. Um, and it's uh, basically ask people for testimonials and then they get a, a discount code if they provide an image with that testimonial, which can be really powerful. So we include a lot of that. If it's a cute kid holding up snacks or someone with their pet out on a hike and people can relate to that. Um, and so, Part of it's email marketing, using user-generated content that, that reminds people or gives them another option for how they could use the product. Um, we have a referral program in place. So we're using referral candy, very simple. We've only been doing that maybe two months. We've generated some decent referrals from that. And that's just a straight incentive, you know, refer a friend, get 10 bucks off your order, they get 10 bucks off their order, you know, that, that sort of thing. So that's very direct. Um, we include a physical mailer typically, um, we ran out through the holidays, but th that's basically a postcard and it highlights our subscription program. So it's like, hey, this is your first order. If you if you love it, you can get 10% off all your future orders here. And it shows a little screenshot of how to do the subscribe and save option. So we try to drive subscriptions that way. Yeah. And I mean, probably honestly, the number one thing is just people really like it. So they're they're emailing us, hey, where can I buy this? And you know, a lot of times we, we say not in your local area, but just get it back on our website is free shipping. Um, and so that, that, that's the number one thing, but we, we've definitely added in the past year, we've added many more mechanisms to remind people. And we also use automation in our emails to, to remind people that, Hey, you're probably about due for a reorder, um, and, and check, check it out that way. And then we do, most of our promotions are really around holidays and gifts. So it may be that you ordered a variety pack for yourself and you liked it, but you weren't incentivized enough to buy another one at that moment, but Hey, it's father's day. Hey, it's Valentine's day. It's Christmas. And so we drive, we get a lot of uh, repeat purchases that people are love the product themselves. Now they're wanting to buy it for a friend. The, you know, I wish I had discovered this product prior to 2018 when I still ate meat. <laughs> uh, Cause you were, you were kind enough to send me some right. and I did. I used to love, I loved beef jerky. I suppose I still do. I just can't eat it. Um, and it was funny. You talked about, you know, I didn't know what, what, 
nitrites or nitrates were. That's like one of my issues. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, uh, my co-host Paul Rita has a friend who's an ER doctor, and he's I don't know how it came up, but the guy just would he was like, hey, you know, something the I'm totally paraphrasing, but oh, I'm scared of cancer. And the ER doctor says, well, don't eat. He goes, I'll tell you something. Don't eat nitrites or nitrates. Yeah. And I I heard that story scared the hell out of me. Right. Like the moment an ER doctor that you respect tells you this because I knew the guy I'm like, oh, crap. So I started researching it, and then that became one of my issues. It's like I'm not eating, not eating nitrites anymore. I don't even know what they are. I just know I'm not eating. Um, right? That's how those health crises go. I don't know what it is. I don't want it. Yeah. And so, you know, like that, that uh, was a a buying trigger for me. And um, you know, we we got it home. We opened it. Uh, they smelled great. They looked good. And my kids, who are like the pickiest, most obnoxious eaters ever, all three of them loved it. Awesome. Loved it. Awesome. Yeah, the teri- we, we have three flavors currently, uh, original kicker, which is a little spicy, and then teriyaki. And we're coming out with a, a smoky barbecue very soon. But the teriyaki is like kids love it. And it's it's like a it's like a candy treat, you know, at least my girls. And uh, but it's, you know, seven grams of protein, just a little bit of sugar, no artificial ingredients. So, again, I don't mind if they eat one each day for their their lunch snack. So I appreciate that your kids enjoyed it. Yeah, no, they they loved them. They went through the variety pack uh, in, I think, it, like within a week, it was gone. <laughs> That's what we like to hear. The uh, next okay. generation customers. Let me hit you with some some lightning questions. Okay. If you could gain instant expertise in any category, what what do you want to be an expert in? I'd say partnerships. I, I think there's. So you much- are an expert in partnerships. Well, I'm getting there. I think there. I think I'm like twenty percent there. I think there's a huge. There's big partnerships waiting out there um, that I'm building up to. What book belongs on everyone's bookshelf? Hmm, it's a great question. Um, I would say I, I love the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, it, and it's not so much about the specifics of what he talks about, you know, financially, but it's this mindset that you should always be building assets in your life um, rather than liabilities. So that's something I'm, I'm always thinking about with Fire Creek is. You know, this week, what asset can I build? And that could be a piece of content. It could be a new product idea. It could be a partnership. But it's always building new assets that are going to build the value of the brand. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I really should revisit it. Um, I just reread it, read it, like the 20th anniversary edition, like two weeks ago, which is probably why I said that answer. But I, I really I saw it in a whole different lens than when I first read it and thought it was only about real estate. I read it 15 years ago. Yeah. And it like... The amount of ideas in it that stuck with me is unreal. Yeah. And it, it's been beneficial. What's the next thing on your bucket list that you're going to do? Ooh, bucket list. Um, I don't know. Hopefully some kind of massive family vacation because we haven't done anything in two years. My son just turned yeah. 16. I'm starting to feel like these, these. he just started driving literally last week. And uh, first, time, first time I've cried in a long time was just like this emotion, like, well, he's going to be leaving soon. So I think we're really uh, motivated to do a, a really cool trip later this year, but I don't know what it'll be yet because there's still so much uncertainty about what we can do. My, it, like two days ago, my wife was like, all right, uh, so we're going to get, she's like, as soon as I get that, fr- we get the first vaccine shot, then she's like, like, all right, so it should be X number of weeks before we get the second. And then it's effective X number of weeks after that. So as soon as that needle's in my arm, I'm booking a trip to Disney. I was going to say, I knew it would be Disney, but that, that makes sense. Of course. <laughs> I'm like, I want to go like, all right, let's roll. Um, so, well, this leads to the next question. What are you most excited about right now? I'm really just, I'm honestly really focused on 
Fire Creek Snacks and growing it. Um, I'm really excited about the relationships that grow out of these partnerships. So again, as, as this halo effect, so there's definitely the direct benefit to Fire Creek, but like the awesome people I've gotten to know, and I've only had three of them air so far. And I'm like, how, how could this get any better? Like these people that reach out. So I've had great conversations with people about like real estate investing. Like I mentioned a kid, I'm helping the mentor from college. I've picked up you know, not that I need more work, but I really love like coaching people and doing kind of a, a, leading people through things that I've that I that, that I've already gained experience in. So I've picked up actually a couple of like business coaching clients from being on podcasts talking about snack sticks. But um, so just like this, I just feel this like building momentum of coolness and 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 things I'm able to kind of give back to um, as a result of growing Fire Creek and then just Fire Creek itself. I mean, it's we're barely tapping the potential of it and uh, have, we have really big visions for it. Not only did that put a big smile on my face, it gave me goosebumps because like that early entrepreneurial excitement is better than any drug. Yeah. It is what I live for. That was, oh, that, that felt good. That was cool. Um, so let's say you're looking at your Shopify store. You go down to apps. You have to delete, gun to your head, you have to delete all but three apps. Which three apps are you keeping? Wow. Um, I would definitely keep the looks app or any kind of um, reviews app. Um, I think we have to have, we're currently on an active campaign, may, may consider Clavio switch over at some point, but you know, whatever, whatever our email is uh, definitely connected to that for all the automations that that provides. And then we have the bold subscriptions app that does a really good job handling our subscription revenue, which is super important to us. So I would say those are probably the three off the top of my head. I love it. And final, final question. You have a platform here. You could talk to an audience. If, all right, let's say they're still listening. You got 30 seconds. What are you telling our, our listeners? What great piece of advice, what share, what do you have for them? I mean, take a mindset of seeing opportunity and leading with wins for other people. So anytime you see something that catches your interest and you're curious about it, think of a way that you can help the person uh, who owns it or who manages it or who is connected with it. And you're never going to not benefit from that. I mean, maybe it ends there, but many, many times they'll reciprocate or somehow it'll be reciprocated back to you through the ether, I guess, the ether cycle. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'd say that's, that's, I, I'm not perfect at it by any means, but I'm always looking to lead with a win anywhere I can. I think that uh, you have no idea how refreshing that advice is or how brilliant it is. And I think I don't, it's the golden rule, man. It really like is, there's yeah. centuries old advice here. That is that is coming back to us, and I think we would be, we would all be wise to observe it. Uh, Dustin, I, if I want to buy some beef jerky, where can I go and get it? Yeah, FireCreeksnacks.com. Pretty simple. Um, we've got a coupon code, so it's just unofficial, like the name of the podcast. So if you put in unofficial at checkout and Shopify, uh, you'll get fifteen percent off and free shipping. Um, the other thing, as I mentioned earlier, if anyone wants to collaborate, has a question for me has some way that they think I can help them, uh, definitely reach out to me. And my email is Dustin, which is D-U-S-T-I-N at firecreeksnacks.com. This has been fabulous. Dustin, thank you so much. Thanks, Kurt. Really, uh, really appreciate the opportunity. I've learned a lot from you and really uh, grateful to be able to give back a little bit to the audience here. The highest honor I could pay. We're going out on Yakety Sax. <laughs> my favorite sound drum. E-commerce sales are at an all-time high. So if you've been waiting for the quote-unquote right time to launch your online store, here is your sign. Yes, you've got to launch it now. 
In 2021, success in e-commerce is going to depend on whether or not you provide an amazing customer experience. And Out of the Sandbox has a 10-year track record of delivering excellent customer experiences by building premium Shopify themes that look and work amazingly well. And that helps merchants make more money. So their best-selling theme, Turbo, fully loaded, easily accommodates high-volume large catalog shops or small shops looking for premium performance because it is just that flexible. It is arguably the fastest theme on the market with speed settings that you could control and customization settings that free themes just can't compete with. For 20% off Turbo, visit outofthesandbox.com unofficial and use promo code KURT20 at checkout. Try the new theme for two weeks, and if you don't like it, they will give you your money back. How's that for a risk reversal guarantee? That's outofthesandbox.com slash unofficial. Promo code KURT20 for 20% off turbo and a 14-day money back guarantee. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors, so please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. Thanks for listening.